When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Titletown South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. I'm Andre Fernandez, deputy sports editor at the Miami Herald, flying solo this week because my compadres are out of town doing uh, some business. Uh, David Wilson is uh, coming back from San Francisco where he covered uh, the Dolphins' unfortunate crushing loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And Jordan McPherson is up at the baseball winter meetings in San Diego. Lucky him. But I'm here with you guys, and I'm going to take you through uh, our recap of a very exciting round of state semifinals action in football this past week. We are set for the state championships now. We're down to six teams, and lo and behold, we talked a lot about it earlier in this year, in this season, how we only had four state championships to play for if you're a team from Dade or Broward. But guess what? Six teams made it, th- an even split, too. Three from Dade, three from Broward. And history will be made. Even though it's unfortunate you can't play for all the state championships, history will be made as there will be two, not just one, but two state championships involving Dayton Broward. We got the matchup. Homestead proved us all wrong. They will face St. Thomas Aquinas. Central face Heritage. We're going to look at all of that. And I'm not completely solo, like I said on this episode, because we will also have an interview with my good friend Charles Fishbein of Elite Scouting Services. He's going to give us some insights, not only on the state championships and who to watch out for, but as we know, National Signing Day, fast approaching, only two weeks away at this point. He's going to go over some of the top recruits in town, some of the guys that are undecided, and why not only are they going to make an impact at the college level, but where they might be the best fit. So we were going to talk to Fish at length. And at first, we're going to give you some highlights of what happened last week. Columbus getting to the state finals for the sixth time in their history, for the second time in the past three seasons. Central rolled again over St. Petersburg, Lakewood. We'll have some highlights of that. And, of course, Chaminade, no surprise to anybody that they won last week, but history for them as well as they tied the record seven consecutive trips to the state finals. They'll be in Tallahassee on Thursday night, and we'll be up there covering it in their game against Clearwater Central Catholic. So without uh, any further ado, we're going to also inform everybody, before we get to the highlights, we are now this show. If you're watching the show now, we appreciate uh, you guys watching it on this format, but we now have it as a pod as well. So if you want to listen to it in your car, you want to listen to it, you know, if you just can't get to a video screen and want to hear the show. Now, one thing we want to put a disclaimer out there, as you know, we put highlights on this show. So if you want to see these highlights, here's the only way to do it. So if you're listening to this right now, check out our video at MiamiHerald.com, where we appreciate uh, you watching and listening anywhere that you do. And here we go. Let's go right away to Tropical Park. And that's where Columbus needed contributions from just about every phase of their team to hold off a very good Okoe team. Okoe had never been this far before. They never won a playoff game before this season. Well, they came to play and they tested Columbus, took them down to the wire here. Let's start with early on after they connected on a field goal. Columbus quarterback, as he's done all year, Alberto Mendoza, Mr. Clutch for them, finds an open Daryl Harper to get the Explorers on the board. 
Now, of course, Columbus is thinking at that point, all right, we took the first punch, no big deal. No, Okoye had several punches and went ahead 17-7, and all of a sudden you're thinking, uh-oh, is the Explorer season in trouble? Well, it went back and forth for a little while. Here's an answer by Columbus as, as Mendoza found A.J. Arellano, who's been a very good and dependable receiver for them this season. Take a look. <laughs> Columbus with that failed to the victors of like Michigan fights on going and they cut it to three, but it kept going back and forth as again, Okoye scored, but here's Mendoza instead of with his arm doing it on the ground with a nice play fake and a run to the end zone. Well, Okoye would jump ahead, another kickoff return. And again, Columbus is down by two scores. But again, here comes Mendoza, who we just talked about. Got an FIU offer this week. So great for him to see him getting finally recruited by some schools. He's had a great season. Here's a touchdown pass to Andrews Fadrell, which cut Columbus's deficit down to two and probably the most key score of the game. And then, of course, in the second half, Columbus's defense clamped down, gave them a chance to take the lead. The running game is where they turned to again. And we're getting to probably the MVP of this game. Not quite yet. But here's Tremonte Underwood uh, scoring to give Columbus the lead early in the third quarter. Speaking of that defense, I thought one of the best players in the game was one of those top junior recruits that the Explorers have for next season. That's Dalen Russell, who made a bunch of plays, two sacks, a bunch of tackles for loss. Here's a key turnover forced by that Columbus defense late in the game. But once again, those Okoe Knights who are dressed just like the UCF Knights, naturally being from Orlando, they wouldn't go away. Here's a touchdown pass to Alston Ware. Great grab in the corner of the end zone, which put Okoe ahead 36-35 with only four minutes to go. But now we haven't set, put a highlight of him just yet. Here's who I was alluding to when I said the player of the game. Cedric Irvin Jr., 203 yards on the ground. He got the final seven of them on this play, which ended up being the game winner with a minute 12 to go. And then that defense made one last play as Okoye had one last-ditch effort, but fell short when an overthrown pass landed in the hands of Cameron Pineda. And here you go.
And thanks to that all-around effort, as we mentioned before, Columbus is headed to state 41-36, wins the back-and-forth battle, five lead changes in the game. Here's Cedric Irvin, we mentioned before, had that for the first time went over 200 yards after his dad, one of the assistant coaches, and of course, Dade County legend Cedric Irvin told him he, he wanted to see him get a 200-plus game, picked the perfect time for it. Here's Cedric. Um, just to say, what, what did this night mean for you to go out there, not only to get that number, but to get that number in a game like this where you're, where it helps the team go to state? I mean, I mean it means everything. Uh, this team, we've been together since ever since I came in January. We've been working since the first day I came, and this is everything that we ever worked for. So I'm just so proud of this team. I love each and every one of these guys from the top to the bottom, and this is the closest team I've ever been on, and I'm just happy that we won this game. Uh, Alberto said that it's like, you know, same old when it comes to these clutch moments. I mean, you're 36-35 down. What was the message to you guys? I mean, I, the whole the whole time we kind of knew the plan. You know, every, everybody kind of says we're a fourth quarter team, even though we don't like that. But the, it's always finish the drill, no matter what. I mean, every day in practice, we, we, we remind ourselves of that. Every, every single route, every single play, just finish, finish, finish. And I, it shows in the game, too. So we're just happy to have it. And on um, watching the defense seal it, well, what was that like on there on the sideline? I say they've been, they've been playing well all, all year. You know, they, they saved us a couple of times, and today, you know, they saved the game again. So I'm just super proud of them. Yeah. How, how excited are you to be a part of, you know, maybe make history in a couple of weeks and, and win this thing? Oh, I'm so I'm so excited. I've never. This is a feeling I've never felt in my life. So I'm just I'm beyond I'm beyond blessed just to be here with these guys. I love I love it every moment of it. Cedric, a running back legacy, of course, as we know, his father for many years was a was one of the greats to ever come out of Dade County. And Alberto Mendoza, his brother, uh, went on to Cal after a couple of years starting for the Explorers. He won the job in the preseason, had a tremendous year. Here's what he had to say as Columbus will take on a Popka next week, next Saturday night at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. This game back and forth, what did it take to pull us off? Uh, you know, we had a great week of practice. And the team on our highs and lows, we were down, but we just came back. We never stopped pushing. I had full confidence in my defense. They were going to get the stops were needed. Like they got that pick on the final drive that set us up for me to take a knee. And it was just the offensive line had an amazing push today. They protected me. Uh, they, our run game was just phenomenal. Cedric ran the ball like a madman. Our pass game was just great. And I think we did a lot of our footballs and we ran our routes. We were just very good today. And we're just getting ready for two weeks away from now. So very excited. 36-35 here. That you know, that you only had like a minute or two to talk to, to everybody. What'd you tell them in the huddle? What, what kind of uh, went there? They knew, they knew the drill. They knew yeah. that we had to go down there. And we had to score, and we've been doing that all game. And we had full confidence. We we're gonna pound the rock and him over the top with a ball and get him the end zone. We had full confidence. We knew, we knew the drill. Yeah. How, how much of these battles? You said you have full confidence. Does that come from just the schedule and playing out the teams you have? This yeah, year? that comes definitely from playing a lot of good teams on our schedule. That really helped, like Central, my Northwestern, Homestead all those great teams that we knew we could we could go against any team in the country and, and we could be any team in the country and it gave us full confidence to be able to do that. Where, where do you get it when like to play in these games it takes a little bit to, you know to keep your composure where do you get that from? Oh uh, I just I, I just it comes natural to me like my brother my brothers always help me with it and it just I just quiet my mind and I'm ready to go like I, I know the drill I can't there's no there's no room for error and you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Another team that had that kind of attitude the entire season were the Central Rockets, and we knew they were going to take care of business. We pretty much figured at Travis Powell, fitting that the last game at the Mecca this season was played by the Rockets, the team that's nationally ranked and number one right now by High School Football America, you know, with their sights set on potentially a, a national title. And a big reason was quarterback Keon Jenkins, who recently committed to Auburn. He had another great performance, this time against St. Petersburg Lakewood. They won 39-21. to 21. Let's look at some of those 
notable plays from that game. Here he is hooking up with pit commit Lamar Seymour, as he has many times this season, making it look easy on this 24-yard touchdown strike. Seymour would then set up this eight-yard touchdown run by Nicholas McCall with a 48-yard catch. Let's take a look as Nicholas McCall continues to carve out a pretty important role in that uh, central backfield in recent weeks. He's, I have a feeling he's going to be he's going to play a big role again when they face Heritage next week. Here he is. So Central would then give up a touchdown on the next drive to Lakewood, one of their few scores in the game. But they raced it quickly with uh, Jenkins finding Western Carolina commit, the electric Corey Washington, who who can basically break a play anytime he has the ball. Here's one of the times he did. And giving some love to that Central defense, Let's look at some of the plays they've made. Louisville commit Stanquan Clark, who's been a huge addition to this, this squad this season since coming over from Killian. Here's one of the sacks he made this week. And then, of course, Reuben Bain adding to his county high 27 sacks going into the state final. He, make, he gets that 27th one right here. Wasn't quite a fumble there, but another good play on defense by Bain, who we'll talk more about when uh, when Charles comes on for that segment. Uh, let's look at their defense. Some of the unsung heroes on this team, and this is one of the weeks we wanted to kind of look at some of the guys that go beyond you know the superstar names we hear. Ezekiel Marcelin is one of those on Central's defense. Had two sacks in this game. Here's the one that put it away for the Rockets. Hey, they holding! They holding! And now Central goes up against American Heritage, and that's one of those two historic games that we met, that I mentioned earlier. They survived over at uh, at Plantation. They survived a late push from Jacksonville Bulls to hang on and win that game. A big day receiving by Brandon Innes, a guy we've mentioned plenty on this show. Eight catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. And once again, Mark Fletcher continues to have great performances. 20 carries, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, they are all going to be crucial if the Patriots are to pull this off in a matchup that's going to have the eyes of the country on it since both teams are in the top 10. Staying in Broward, let's go to those Chaminade Lions that we talked about earlier. Never a doubt in this game, 56 to nothing over True North Academy to set up a state championship match this week against Clearwater Central Catholic. Again, with those unsung heroes, we talk about all the, the, the major Power 5 conference talent that they have. Here's Dwayne Thomas, who I think if a college – is smart enough, will sign this kid somewhere because I'm sure he can make an impact. Here's his touchdown from five yards out in the game. They call him Speedy, and and he certainly was. The other receivers just are afraid to even run against him because that's how fast he is. He's been uh, one of those glue guys that's really held it together in that wide receiver room for a very talented Chaminade squad, and they were not going to be caught off guard. True North, I know, came out trying to narrow that talent gap a little bit with a few trick plays, the onside kick early in the game. And here's one that they tried near the goal line 
that backfired as Gino Julius picks this pass off. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now speaking of those Lions, a top-ranked national squad in, in most polls, and, and one of them right there with Central, which is the great debate, which one's better? Well, they're one and two in that High School Football America poll coming into the week. To talk about that and a few more interesting topics, I sat down this week with our good friend Charles Fishbein of Elite Scouting Services. He's been covering high school football for numerous years and you know, really, really insightful stuff from, from Fish. Give a listen or take a look at, at this interview that I had with him this week. All right, everybody, we're here with a good friend of mine uh, for a long time in this business, uh, Mr. Charles Fishbein from Elite Scouting Services. Fish has covered uh, high school football and helped tons of kids get into college over the years. Uh, what he does is a great thing for a lot of the kids out there. Um, he, knows, he knows guys in the college ranks for, for a long time and a good evaluator of talent. And that's why we brought him on uh, to talk a little bit, you know, with signing day coming up and uh, the early signing day coming up in a couple of weeks. And also look ahead a little bit to the state championships that start this week in Tallahassee with Shaman out playing fish. Thanks for joining us, man. I love, love the backdrop there. And how, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, you you threw on a new, you know, place for us to do this. You know, I have all my other settings on my uh, Zoom calls, but it's oh. all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> I'll just use this background, you know. Hello. You look all sophisticated in the, uh, in, in the study. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm Mr. Plum and I have the candlestick and I knock somebody out. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let, let's, uh, I guess I'll uh, jump in a little bit uh, first on the recruiting side. I mean, obviously there's a few marquee kids in this town that, you know, they still haven't committed and you've seen all of them. Um, and not, not to put you on the spot and say where they might go, but just more or less kind of that wanted to ask you about a few of them. Where do you think, how do you see them? their talents translating to the next level. I wanted to start with uh, Ruben Bain over at Miami Central. Um, obviously this kid, you know, 27 sacks this year, really good player. How do you, how do you see the impact he can make? And, and and what school do you think would be a good fit for him out of the ones maybe like, you know, that are left that are kind of interested? I mean, one, he's going to be a great fit wherever he goes. I, he's, he's a different talent because, you know, you have these measurables. Everybody talks six, four, 250 pounds, you know, type of defensive ends. That's what, you know, that prototypical. He's more of that 6'2", 235, 40-pound kid. He's almost more old school. The, the you know, Peter Warks, 
I mean, uh, Peter Bulware types, the guys that Miami had, the Andrew Williams, the guys they've had in the past. I think he's very similar to um, uh, Elvis Doomerville, maybe a little taller, but he's super explosive. You watch him, wherever they line him up on the defensive line, he's just so special. He gets off the ball quickly. He's so physical. Um, You look at, you know, even what somebody, you know, in the NFL last night, the kid that plays for the Cowboys and what he could do. You could do a lot of the same things with um, him like they do with Micah, you know, Micah Parks. Micah Parsons, yeah. Yeah, that you could do a lot of the same similar things. You could line him up at end. You could put him at middle linebacker. You could put him at D-tackle. You could, He's so versatile and so athletic and so explosive that you could put him anywhere on the defensive line and him have success at the next level. Yeah, I hear like people saying maybe an Auburn could come in. Maybe you know they're I know they're getting a lot of you know kids to 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 jump in. I mean I know their situation's a little interesting now without a coach yet, but you know what can he suddenly be one of these types like in the SEC right away be a dominant force? I would think the way from the measurables you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Dallas Turner's done at Alabama. I think he could have the same similar impact right away. He's going to be able to get on the field because he can rush the passer. You know, those yeah. guys are just specialty players. He doesn't need to be an every-down guy right when he gets on campus. Just put him where you get him on the field, get him some pass rush, put him in third and long type of situations where he can use his strengths to his advantage. He's just such a special player. I do think that he can go anywhere. All Any of the schools that he picks, he could play right away. Uh this thing's going to come down to like anything else, NIL deals, which school can provide the best deal for them. Hey, this is open now. It's it's out in the open of what these schools can do now. There's no, oh, we used to hear about all this stuff. Now it's out there. Right. And, and and you know what? It's Listen, quarterbacks, you know, uh, big-time offensive tackles, speed rush ends, shut down corners, they're going to hold the highest value. So this kid may as well wait to the very end and see which bid comes out to the best deal for him. So, yeah, a couple other kids you mentioned some of those corners uh, guys that could make an impact. I mean, Damari Brown, somebody at American Heritage that we've written about a little bit lately. Um, how do you see him translating to the next level? What kind of impact could he make right away? You went to media day, and the one thing we talked about is the guys that are difference makers. They look different. They stand mm-hmm. out. Damari was one of those guys. You know, you had Mark Fletcher who goes to the same school, and we'll probably discuss him. But Damari was one of those guys, big, long, athletic. He looks like an NFL potential-type prospect down the road. He has all the physical tools. He's long. He's athletic. He can run. He can flip his hips. He's another versatile guy that can play corner. He could play in the slot, over a slot. He could probably play some free or strong safety. He has the measurables to play multiple positions. And that versatility is what the college coaches like. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Harris, I know, is another one. Uh, I know he recently decommitted from – he was committed to Georgia for a little while, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's another one. I mean, who does he remind you of, just his skill set, more or less? I, I mean, he he's just – his speed and athleticism is different. Um, so that, that's something that, you know, it's hard to compare him really to because he has such great – he's a track kid. He runs fast. He has a lot of that ability to do a lot of things that you want. I don't know who I would really compare him to right now, but I do like him. I think he's an under-the-radar guy. You can't teach – they always say you can't teach size and speed and those attributes. He has all those tools. I think he could be really special. Uh, Maybe he's a bigger 
Philip Buchanan, a kid that played at Miami that had those attributes, maybe someone like that, but he'd be a great get for whatever university gets him. Yeah. Uh, that's, this isn't, we're not doing like strictly Canes, but you know, Canes obviously people care and see, you know, how, you know, they can go into year two with Mario and a couple of guys I know that are on their radar, Christopher Johnson over at, at Dillard. And obviously whoever lands in Edwin Joseph obviously gets a great player on that side. I mean, you think Miami has a shot at those guys at this point, realistically, or listen, they're in the ball game with these guys. Christopher, uh, you know, is, is just a spec. We talked about it. There's speed, and then there's next level speed, and he has that next level speed. You go turn on the Chaminade game; he made that big play every time he touches the football. He has a chance to score anywhere on the field. So those are guys you saw University of Miami. You talk about them this year. They didn't have those explosive plays; those lacked. And it, you, they add a, a kid like Christopher to their team. All of a sudden, those five yard, seven yard gains become fifty yard touchdowns, and and Miami needs that, and he'd be a great fit. Uh, Edwin Joseph is one of my favorite players in the state this year. I think he's probably he's this year's. I, I you know, you look at um, the kid that played at uh, Boyd Anderson, Eddie Jackson. Uh, mm. He was under the radar his whole junior year. Came out his senior year, blew up. I think that's Edwin Joseph this year. He's very underrated. Shamanad has so many great players that he gets uh, overlooked, but he's one of the best players down here. I think he's going to have an immediate impact. And he's a guy, what's good about him, as good of a receiver he is, he may be even a better corner. He's a, a lockdown corner. He could play in the slot. Another guy that's very versatile, long, athletic, and he's going to have an impact right away. I, I really like Edwin. Yeah. Um, with Chris, I know he, he was one of those guys that, you know, like Dillard wasn't going to outmatch, like, a lot of these teams like St. Thomas, Chaminade, maybe in terms of overall talent. But when Christopher, like, even against those teams, it looked like he was the best player on the field. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. No, like I said, he's a difference maker. Um, I think if he was at a St. Thomas or if he was at one of these other schools, these high-profile schools, um, you're talking a kid that they'd be talking about, like high four-star, low five-star type kid. He's an impact yeah. player. Like he has difference-level speed. There's like I've always said, you've seen it with the Devin Hester. So those guys that when they're on the football field. They look like the game sped up when you turn on their film. Like you're like, wait a second, did somebody hit a fast a fast forward switch? Because he looks so much faster than everybody else. And speed's intimidating. We've seen it. I mean, you remember we go all the way back when Booker T went up to South Carolina and they threw that deep pass uh to one of those wide receivers and those kids were running by him. All of a sudden that team's like, wait a second, we can't match this. That speed is so different and it's intimidating when it's on the football field. And that's something that Miami University of Miami lacked this year, that ability to make the big play. Yeah. I'll never forget that game. Uh, I think it was A.J. Green. As <laughs> great as good as he ended up being, he was held yeah. to like five catches for like 30 yards in that game. Yeah. So the, the speed was just the different. Speed. They had to face that. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, talking about Mark Fletcher that you mentioned before, I know running backs, there's a there's a ton. But why, why could this kid be a talent that we may – that we may be adding to our fantasy teams in a few years in the NFL. Why, why could he be that good? Once again, we, you know, when we went to media day, there was about a handful of guys, Hakeem Williams, Fletcher, Damari. There was about five guys that just looked like they were already in the NFL. They were grown men. And yeah. Fletcher's one of those guys that physically looks different. 
there's running backs that look like they're going to college, and this kid looks like he's getting ready for an NFL draft, and he's going to be in that green room in a month from now. He's just so big and physical. I liked him a few years ago. He's gotten better. He's a big physical back. He's not going to always uh, – he's not a Dalvin Cook type that's going to bust off a 70-yard run at any time, but he could wear a defense down. And you see at the college level, these guys that you saw this year at Florida State with Trey Benson, that ability to just wear a defense down, wear a defense down, and then all of a sudden they pop a long run. Miami and Mario want to be a physical team. They have a lot of finesse-type running backs, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those guys are very good players, but as far as scheme fit, this kid Mark Fletcher is a perfect fit for University of Miami, and if they could land somebody like that, they'll be able to do a lot of the things that Mario wants to do, control the ball, pound it. You see what Michigan does. You see those one-yard runs, two-yard runs in the first half. All of a sudden, the defense is worn out in the second half, and those one, two-yard runs become 60-yard runs. That's what Mario wants to uh, establish at University of Miami, and someone like Fletcher would give them that ability to do so. There's probably a ton of these, but is there someone maybe that off the top of your head that comes up to mind when, like, who's someone that you've seen that has really jumped out at you that maybe is either not getting recruited like he should be or maybe a little under-recruited that you think this kid can be a good D1-type, you know, impactful player? Anybody that maybe jumps out at you that you saw this year? Um, there's a kid, Chamberlain Campbell from uh, Lakewood High School. He's a defensive end, University of Miami, Florida State have offered him recently. Um, I think Pittsburgh's about to offer him. This is the type of kid that goes to Pittsburgh. All of a sudden, he develops in that wave room. A guy like Charlie Partridge ends up developing this kid into a first or second round pick. He's that guy that's flown under the radar. They played last week against Central. Um, big, I think he's 6'6", 225 pounds right now. He's athletic. He's just somebody that two, three years from now, once he gets in a college weight room, he develops. He's a basketball kid. So you look at what um, a Rousseau did at University of Miami. He used to be a wide receiver when he was at uh, you know Monarch High School. Then he went to uh, Champagnat, your old school. Uh, and But he was a guy that, you know, going into his senior year was basically where was he going to play? All of a sudden they moved him to defensive end, he, and now he's a, he was a first-round pick and playing in the NFL. That's what this kid is. He's a guy that two or three years from now, everybody's going to be like, well, how did he fly under the radar? Uh, well, one, he just started playing football this year. He's a basketball kid. So it happens. That's the one thing that's special about the state of Florida. You look at Hollywood Brown. There's so many of these guys. It's not like any other state. Most other states, kids are already developed. That's what makes the state of Florida so special. Is these kids develop later in the process. And in two or three years, all of a sudden, they go from a three-star kid to being a first-round pick down the road. Yeah, and, and that's why you see such a dominance, you know, when you look at it on the national level, and even South Florida in particular. And, you know, now, now we're going to take you to the, the state finals talk. Six, six teams. Unfortunately, this year, only four championships to be had, but six teams. And, I mean, I, I forgot to ask you before we came on, but have you seen Clearwater Central Catholic at all or, or – I haven't seen them play. Listen, that's a program that has always been good. I know Chaminade um, usually gets Clearwater Central Catholic like in round three or four, but all yeah. these changes that they've made, they're giving all these teams a chance now. Listen, they tried everything, and still the teams from down here found a way in almost every bracket to make it to the finals outside of Pahokee. But, right. you know, 
they're a team that they'll have athletes. They've got good players, Clearwater, Central Catholic, but uh, they're running into a buzzsaw. I mean, they're basically playing for a participation trophy on this next weekend. Yeah. What do you think of Cedric Bailey? Because he has so many weapons. And I think he kind of, you almost don't talk so much about him, but this kid, you know, six, five and, and just the size he has and his accuracy. I mean, how much better did he get this year from what you saw? He got a lot better. I, I always joke like Cedric's one of those kids that's going to make one or two plays during the game that you're like, Oh man, like what the heck was this kid <laughs> thinking? Like, why, why did you do that? Because he, he believes in his ability. So he's going to make one or two of those throws that um, like, will probably get a coach fired at the next level, but he, he has a ton of talent. You say six, five, he may be six, seven. I mean, he's a big, tall, like he doesn't, he looks, it doesn't look normal out there to see this kid. That's so talks. Usually you don't see quarterbacks looking over the offensive line and basically just chucking the ball all over the field. But Cedric's is, I think has a lot of talent. I think he's only going to get better. Um, it's going to come down to him. He's got to go to a school that they, you know, have a quarterback coach that could sit and redshirt him for a year, develop him. He doesn't need to be rushed. He's got a ton of talent. He's got the arm. He's, he's, he runs better than you would think somebody that tall would run, but he's got all the tools. And yeah, he does. I think he's going to be one of those kids hurt in recruiting because everybody's going to go, well, he's throwing a two five stars and one four star receiver. And this, but you know what? He's still got to make the throws and he makes the throws and they are so dangerous because of him. I, I, it's just, you saw it this week and it's like, I, I talked to the coach on the other side and he's like, man, you just don't realize how big these kids are until you're standing out there playing against them. But Cedric's extremely talented. It's just up to him how far he wants to go in this. Listen, quarterbacks, you've seen it so many times. You look at a Josh Allen went to Wyoming. You see a lot of the great quarterbacks at the college level that end up getting drafted are the guys that do fly under the radar. It's how much work they're willing to put in, what scheme they go to. So if he goes to the right school, I think he could have a lot of success. Yeah, one of his targets I like uh, doesn't get talked about as much as obviously like the Josephs and the JoJo Traders and Jeremiah and those guys. Uh, Dwayne Thomas, right. I think that kid that what, I saw I saw him a little bit the last couple of years, and I like this right. kid. I mean, I know he's not you know again Listen, he's not one of those. He's gonna be know. one of those kids. You've seen it before. He's gonna probably go to a Mac school, and you'll see him on Tuesday or Wednesday nights. You know, Imagine. in the future, yep. in the future, and you're gonna go. Wait a second. I remember seeing that kid. Where did he go to school? Oh, he went to right. Shamana. I will tell you, he's one of the toughest kids because when they played, they played. I think it was a team out of DC. He got laid out. I mean, I he got laid out. I thought his season was over, and he came back, and he's still, you know, still playing, and he's playing at a high level. So I give him a lot of credit. But, yeah, he's flown under the radar because they're loaded at talent. They got running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, their old line, everybody. Everybody's going. But, like I said, he's a guy you'll see on a Tuesday or Wednesday night in the near future lighting up that scoreboard uh, in DeKalb, Illinois, or wherever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those places. State Western or one of these Michigan. Or, yeah. yeah. Hey, we exactly. just gave those t teams some pub, man. They better be happy. Buy my service, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You, you yeah. heard it, Mac. You heard it, Maxion. Jump on, jump on ESS. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Another team uh, jump into another state final. Before we get to the ones that are Dade Broward, uh, Columbus. I mean, I know for a long time we we've had you know respect for the way that this program has been consistent. 
And, you know, last week, I know one kid that jumped off to me. I know their juniors are kind of their core. TJ Capers, unfortunately, had a knee injury and he's out for the rest of this season. But Dalen Russell, I mean, he he really hit, played a, a great game against Okoe. He had a couple of tackles for loss, a couple sacks. Um, tell me about that because Columbus, you know, win or lose this week or next week against the Popka, they've got a solid core of juniors coming back. And those kids, I think they're, they're just going to get right back to the top next year probably. Yeah, the, the coach over there has done a great job. He struggled early on, which was odd because that program was so established. And yeah, I think they, I think he had a losing record after like the first seven or eight games his first year there. But he turned it around, and they've they've created a culture there and and created a program that now they expect to win. They used to hope they would win. We we used to go out there and watch them play Central and these teams. And now that you laugh, but they used to always fold no, no, in those yeah. big games. And we used to go, oh, man, are they ever going to get over that hump? Um, and I, listen, Coach Barrett did a phenomenal job. But all of a sudden, they got over that hump. And now when you go to watch them in a game, they they believe they're going to win. We saw them play Jesuit. They jumped on Jesuit. It was like, all right, they, they're not scared of playing up to different – to teams better than them or equal to them anymore. They go out there, they get the job done. It's a very good team. I mean, we are, listen, they got a weapon and everybody could laugh. They got probably the best punter in the country. That makes a big deal when you're talking field position. They could basically, yeah. once they get past, you know, the 40-yard the line of their side, they're basically flipping the field and teams are having to go 90 yards because that kid could just punt it out of bounds and land it on the one. But they're such a good team, offense, defense, special teams. I'm impressed with what Columbus has done, and they've got a lot of talent on that team as well. Yeah, like even their quarterback, Alberto Mendoza, I saw today he got an FIU offer. So like he'll end up somewhere, I'm sure, you know, a kid like that. Yeah, no surprise. I mean, he's played well all year. Yeah. I mean, overall, they're playing Apopka again. I mean, you know, we know Apopka from years of seeing them going up against South Florida teams. But I, I, just, I just think Columbus, even if they don't have – it's, it's what you said. I mean, even against Central, they, they didn't win that game. But in the past, they don't score 28 in the second half and turn a 35-7 game into a down-to-the-wire finish the way they did this year. I mean, it's just they, – they, they just seem different this year, and they seem like they have, like – even though maybe they don't have all the five-star kids, but they have all the ingredients you need to win a state yeah. championship. I, I mean, I watched – I think Apopka was in the finals last year. I could be wrong. They didn't look like the same typical Apopka that we've seen in the past. I don't think this is a team. There's no, that number 88 for Georgia isn't on that D line, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> is starting in the SEC championship and is the best player. Apopka's always had better teams than this. I just think we've talked about it the speed, the athleticism of a team's down here, and, and knowing you can win now. Like Columbus is going into that game expecting to win. Uh, you know, when they went to that first state, state title game a few years back, it seemed like they were happy to be there. You know, maybe they win, maybe they don't. Now they're going to these games just like Central. Once Central got over that hump, won that first title, these teams from down here, they expect that ring. So it's like they're in a good spot heading into that uh, final game. And then now, they're, now they're running out of room on their hands for rings these yes, days exactly. at Central. So, uh, Central, well, let, let, yeah. They're going down yeah. to big toes, little toes. I mean, they're down to fakey toes. Yeah. One of their coaches over there, Dwight Jackson, he busts them out at the end. He puts them on. I'm like, you're running out of fingers, man. I mean, it's yeah. going to be. Uh, well, and speaking of that, let's just go right into that one. That's the, the biggest one, I think, this week. Uh, next week, I'm sorry. I keep saying this week. Against American Heritage. And we've never had 
fish. We've never had a Dade versus Broward final. We're going to have two of them. But that Central Heritage game could be pretty good. I mean, I don't know how good both sides are. How do you kind of see this matchup playing out? FSA, man, they didn't want us winning all those titles no. anymore. So it's like, <laughs> hey, beat each other up, man. Exactly. We'll make up these uh, rural and uh, metro and whatever. We'll, we'll give we'll give the, the the little guys a chance. Apparently, oh man, they tried yeah. with Fort Myers, and both their teams went out last week. And it's <laughs> like they're going to be down to another region in two years from now. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a big game, Central. Um, listen, Central's been there; they've done it. Yeah, Heritage has, but I'm not going to doubt a team that beat IMG. You know, I mean, they went up. And beat IMG. They beat them up. They physically beat them up. Knocked their quarterback out of the game. I believe this is a very good Central team. It's there's there's not a Dalvin Cook on the team or one of you know those difference makers like that. But they know how to win. They once again they expect to go into that game and win. And they're very like their kids are humble. They're not cocky. They they they're not just they don't just they respect their opponents. But at the same time they go into these games and they're just. You watch how they practice. I went to a practice a couple weeks ago, and they're playing like with uh, like car lights on just to light this uh, field up at night, and they're out there <laughs> like just, I mean, smacking each other around. People want to talk about how like practices have, you know, teams have become soft. That's one thing. Central practices hard, and you see it on the football field. They're so physical. They move so fast. Their guys are always moving. At light, you know, warp speed, even in practice, it just seems everybody's going at a different level. And I just think they're, you know, they have too much. I think, you know, Heritage is a good football team, but this is a big ask for a team like that to go against Central this year. Yeah. How do you, how do you see Keon Jenkins at, uh, at Auburn? I mean, that's an interesting, you know, he was sort of, he just recently committed there. So it was his dream school. But how do you see a, a, a skill set like his translating in SEC? I mean, I, you got to think he's going to move to another position. Um, yeah. I mean, he's very thin, you know, so like just from a physical standpoint, maybe he's, they use him kind of like a uh, a utility type player on offense. They, you know, have him pl- line up in the slot, maybe do some wildcat. I just don't think physically, um, you know, he can match up. I think he'd be a heck of a corner, maybe slot receiver. You've seen it before with guys from down here that have switched to those positions. He's a very good athlete. Uh, he's a very good quarterback. I just think at that level, you're asking a lot. I mean, he weighs, what, 165 pounds soaking yeah. wet with his pads on and cleats on. So, I mean, he's just, you know, he's a very good football player. Um, Auburn probably also is trying to buy the cow to get that milk. So they want freaking Reuben Bain. Maybe this is a package deal. Yeah, could be. Could be. I, on the other side of that, I mean, there's a lot of guys on that uh, – on the defensive side and, and another two-way player too that I've seen on both sides this year, Brandon Ennis. I mean, I know Ohio state is, he's committed to Ohio state, but next season in, in the big 10, how, 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 how much can this kid just take off right away? You think? You no, know, I don't give a lot of 10 rankings. I mean, that's like the highest ranking I have. I think I gave Dalvin one Sony Michelle. I gave Brandon Ennis a 10 because I think he has the least like, even if he doesn't pan out, he's still going to be a very good player. Like, he doesn't pan out to the level we expect. Like, I don't think there's any chance of him busting out. His talent level and his – he they, they always talk about coaches want to ask how much a guy loves football. I remember going to 7-on-7. Seven seven, I know it was, in, uh, um, it was in shorts and everything. 
Well, Brandon was playing receiver, and he told the coach, hey, listen, put me all over on defense, coach. You need me on that side of the ball. He comes flying across the field, picks it off, runs it back for a touchdown, and he, you know, used some you know choice words to explain to the coach why you should put him on defense. And I'm like, all right, man, this kid loves football. And and not only that, he's special. You get the ball in his hands, he can make guys miss, he could go the distance. He's a guy that honestly it wouldn't shock me to see him on a Saturday in New York collecting that trophy with the guy holding his arm out. That's how special that kid is. I think he's a difference maker. I think he's a day one type player that he'll make an impact day one, and you'll see him right away. This isn't a guy that you're going to wait two years, three years down the road and say, hey, where is that kid? I think Innis will make an impact right away. Yeah, like this is a kid, probably see him in a few years, not just in the NFL, but like an all-pro type yeah. receiver potentially. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, and the other matchup, uh, that's involving Dayton Broward, the one that maybe some people look at a little bit more of a mismatch, but uh, Homestead, to their credit, finally, you know, if they're, you know, first time ever in a state championship game, but of course they get the juggernaut. And, and I feel like we've, we've been saying this on the show over the course of the season. I feel like St. Thomas got a little lost in the shuffle. We keep talking about Chaminade, we keep talking about Central, but Aquinas is leveling people. And, and they're back to like old school Aquinas type, you know, games lately in the playoffs. They're, you know, 45 to three over Jesuit the other day. And I know it's, you know, the size, the speed, the the depth of talent. Does Homestead have a chance in this one, do you think? Or how do, well, how do you kind of see this one? I mean, Homestead, they need to go out. And, the, you know, there have been teams that have had success against St. Thomas this year. Treasure Coast was one of them. You got to shorten that game. I think if you try to, the longer that game goes, the more advantage it is to St. Thomas. Shorten that game, shorten the possessions, limit how much St. Thomas and put St. Thomas in an uncomfortable position. They are a very good team from playing ahead, St. Thomas. But we've seen in years past when they get in a state championship against a Lake a Lakeland that if they get in a game where it's shortened and it gets more in a phone booth and it's more physical, uh, those teams have a shot. And I think Homestead has one of the best running backs in South Florida. Rely on Isaac. Um, get him the ball. They have a very good defense. I'm not saying that they're going to beat St. Thomas, but I think Homestead could give them a game. They played them last year, so they ha- it's not like everything's going to be, you know, they haven't seen it before. But limit the mistake. You got it. You got it. Listen, don't go for it on fourth and one inside your own 30-yard line, thinking, all right, don't give them the short field. Let them go the distance. I mean, that's how you're going to beat them. I, a lot of it with St. Thomas, and they're a tremendous program, and they've won a lot, is – believing you could win that game. A lot of kids see that helmet and they see those colors and they see that team running around and they got 120 kids on the sideline because, you know, 120 don't play. You're playing 22. Just go out there, play the game, and you have a shot. I think Coach Simpson's done a phenomenal job. Like you said, this is their first uh, year of ever being in the state finals. They've had great teams. But, listen, I don't care how they've done it. They got there. And you know what? You got a chance if you're in that final game. Yeah. And you mentioned Isaac Brown. It's like they finally unleashed him now in, in the last couple of games. They got like 138 or something last week up at Jones. I mean, that right there. Last week, a lot of people didn't think they'd be able to go up to Jones and beat them the way Jones was playing. And look, they did some of the same things you're talking about and came out on top. But uh, Joshua Townsend, too. I mean, I think that kid, 
made such a difference. I mean, they struggled in the three games that he was out this year, and and all of a sudden he comes back. They beat Northwestern, you know, force a bunch of turnovers. It obviously has to be a complete game, but that's a kid I think too that that don't, I think you'd agree that what how he plays, whatever he that'll dictate what what kind of a chance they have. No doubt, no doubt. They listen. They they've got players. I think they're kind of that program that nobody really knows a whole lot about. But they've got athletes. They got guys that can uh, play on Saturdays. You got a Cortez Mills. You've got you know Isaac Brown. You got guys, other guys on that team that have a lot of talent. Uh, this is a very underrated Homestead team. It's not that surprising they made it this far. Honestly, I I I thought they had a shot. I thought you know originally I thought they were going to play. St. Thomas in the semifinals because that's how it used to be, but they're there now. And you know what? Coach Simpson's got to tell these guys, this is our great chance. Shock the world, go up there and shock the world. Yeah. You saw from, from seeing Aquinas, this defensive front has been, you know, nasty these last, especially these last few weeks. How do you, how do they kind of compare? I mean, they've had so many good ones over the years. But yeah. I, how do you I like those guys? They're good. I don't think they're anything like, listen, we've seen a line with the Bosa brothers and you've seen right. guys, um, they've had guys that this, there's not a five star, high four star defense alignment on this team. This isn't, they've got good players, but this isn't one of those teams that have those elite level defense alignment. There's nothing wrong with that. They got a lot of good, very good high school guys. They're going to have productive college careers, but you don't have those Joey and, and Nick Bosa types. I mean, you're not going to probably have them ever again in your program, but those guys were di- like, they made life very difficult on opposing teams. This team, you could have success. Like I said, I saw their game against Treasure Coast. Treasure Coast was able to move the ball with that wing tee a little bit. It was the first time I really ever seen St. Thomas pushed off the ball and the line of scrimmage changing. They basically always dictate that line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They were able to change that up a little bit. And that's why I think Homestead, if they watch those type of games, um, I think they have a shot. I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but I think they could be competitive in that game. Well, Fish, my friend, thank you very much. We appreciate your your insights, especially your, yeah. your honest your honest insights about everything. I know, and yeah. I, I like I like always the fact that you uh, you you tell it like it is, my friend. And I, uh, I appreciate hey, you coming on. Hey, I rub some people the wrong way, but you know what? No, you you and you and Manny are still around, so I must be doing something <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't scared you. Yet. I haven't no, scared you. No. You guys still take my call. I, I, I love the fact that, you, that you're like that, man. I really do. Always have. So right. I appreciate your time, my friend, and thanks for joining us on the show. We'll talk soon, and, and uh, see how it turns out at State. Once again, I want to thank uh, Chuck. Well, we call him Fish. We're not going to call him Chuck. We're going to call him Charles. We're going to call him Fish, just like we do uh, amongst friends. Remember, the Miami Herald will have you covered, not only through the state championships, but on signing day before, during, and after not just with the coverage of, of uh, the top recruits from Dade and Broward counties, but UM, FIU, UF, FSU, the rest of the state, we will have it from all angles. So check out all our, all our coverage on MiamiHerald.com. And we'd also like to remind you to vote for our Players of the Week, as you have been throughout the season every week. This week is no exception. We have plenty of the top talent. Uh, Cedric Irvin, who we mentioned before, Keon Jenkins, Isaac Brown at Homestead, who we didn't get to mention, Homestead. Congratulations. As we said in our conversation with Fish, you know, first time since 1984, Isaac Brown rushing for over 130 yards. They finally unleashed him as I've been calling for the last few weeks. And that was a big reason that they beat Orlando Jones high up there last week in the semifinals. 
Also, basketball season is underway. We're going to start to try and do a little more of that in the coming weeks. Florida Christian's Alex Soto and North Miami's Jador Hayes, both two players that had outstanding weeks that are also nominated for Player of the Week. On the Broward side, Brandon Innes, that we meant, who we mentioned before. King Mack, who I did not mention until right now, had a great game. Penn State commit had an INT return for a touchdown, a kickoff return for a touchdown in that blowout win over Tampa Jesuit, 45-3 by the Raiders. St. Thomas looks unstoppable. We'll see if they can do it again against Homestead. And we also had Julian Stanish of Chaminade Soccer as one of the nominees, along with Rafael Guerra, a talented first-team all-county player in the past for university school. And North Broward Prep basketball player Riley Weiss, she set three school records, one for scoring, for three-pointers made, and steals in a game. So she's another candidate. Be sure to vote. And remember, you can, the polls can be found at MiamiHerald.com. They're free. They're not behind the paywall. And you can vote as many times as you'd like there for them, for these outstanding athletes. So we wrap up the show now quickly. We only have one game to really pick this week. As Chaminade, as I mentioned before, playing Clearwater Central Catholic, 7 o'clock on Thursday up at Gene Cox Stadium in Tallahassee. The Marauders, you know, a team that typically has played Chaminade earlier in, in the playoffs, not in this round. But the Lions, you know, they're chasing their fifth state title in the past six seasons. They're second in a row, seventh overall. This would give them the second most in Broward County history behind only Aquinas, which is also going for theirs next week. The Lions have won 23 in a row, and they've played pretty much the best of the best, as we know. They faced American Heritage. They beat St. John's Prep from a Maryland powerhouse. to beat Northwestern. They beat Cardinal Newman, Dillard, you name it. They're going to face a pretty good team, though, because Jershawn Newton, Sophomore quarterback for Clearwater Central Catholic, a dual threat standout. He's he's passed for over 1,800 yards and run for over 1,100 yards himself and has offers already from FSU, Ole Miss, Pitt, Illinois, to name a few. Only a sophomore. This team has some talent, and he's not the only 1,000-yard rusher in that backfield. Senior Lenwood Sapp has run for, 11, for 1,177 yards as well. Nate Johnson is top wide receiver, a Boston College commit. They have a Temple commit up front in Kevin Terry, who's going to have to have a big game if they're going to have a chance, and an FAU commit on defense for the Marauders in linebacker Curtis Roberts. So overall, it's going to be obviously a test. I think out of the postseason, it, it, I don't believe it's going to be the toughest opponent that Chaminade has faced overall, but I do think it'll be the best one that they've faced so far in these playoffs, and it's state. Emotions are high. It's the last game for a lot of these guys. So all those factors being said could contribute to it being maybe a tight contest early, but too much depth. And I think David phoned in on, on his way or didn't phone in, but emailed me on his way back and told me, tell everybody that Chaminade is also my pick. I think we pretty much know everybody that that, that is thinking Chaminade won't have a hard time play, uh, getting past this game and getting their championship. That's who I'm going with. The, the, the question I'm curious is who, if and when Chaminade does accept an invite again, to the Geico Bowl series, do who do they play? Do they, do they end up facing one of these California powerhouses, or who is the team that's available for them to maybe get another quality victory and potentially win that national championship? We shall see. Next week, we will be back with a more in-depth episode. My uh, comrades will be back talking a little bit about those other three state championship games, as we said before. Homestead taking on St. Thomas Aquinas. That'll be on Thursday night at 7 o'clock in the Class 3M final at Drive Pink Stadium, the first Dade Broward showdown ever, followed by the second ever Dade Broward showdown between Central and American Heritage. And then, of course, on Saturday night, Columbus wraps it all up with 
a game against the Popka, the third time that they'll face a Popka in a state championship since 2014. We'll see. I think it's going to be a Dade County sweep. I'll save those picks for next week, but I think it's going to definitely be an exciting week, a couple of weeks of high school football action. And that being said, once again, I'm Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor at the Miami Herald. We thank you once again for listening, not just to this episode, but throughout the season and following us on this journey. We hope you continue to do so. We wish you guys a great week and hope you enjoy the state finals. And thanks. (laughs) 